0: Thought Bubble Audio. Hi and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we take a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim and with me, as always, is the man who is shocked, shocked to find that gambling is happening at this establishment. It's Palmer. How are you today?
1: Of all the podcasts and all the towns and all the world, you had to Skype into mine.
0: <laughs> That's good, Skype. That was funny. Also, here are your winnings. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are here to talk about the 1944 Best Picture nominees for the Academy Awards. The movies are as follows. The More the Merrier, in which we serve, Madame Curie, Heaven Can Wait, the Oxbow Incident, The Song of Bernadette, The Human Comedy, For Whom the Bell Tolls, Watch on the Rhine, and Casablanca. Palmer, what won best picture?
1: Casablanca?
0: That is correct. Yay. Casablanca did indeed win best picture. Arguably the one that people like I think most people have heard of Casablanca even if they've never seen it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that's uh yeah. my wife watched it with me. She had never seen it. She didn't like it, so we're divorced now. Um but uh you know, she um she like she's like oh yeah I know that movie I should probably watch it because it's famous and stuff. So um, why
1: didn't she like it?
0: We will get to that when we get to the movie. Um, I think it's we'll get to it when we get to the movie because it, it's worth it's worth talking about inside the scope of the movie. Um, so everyone, you have to sit back and listen to nine movies before you find out that answer. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I
1: will already forget about that question. So.
0: Exactly, and here we are—the ironically titled "The More the Merrier." When there are ten films uh, to go through uh, this episode, the more the merrier. Who said
1: by the G- Academy doesn't have a sense of irony?
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, directed by George Stevens, written by Robert Russell, Frank Ross, Richard Flournoy, and Lewis R. Foster, starring Gene Arthur, Joel McCrae, and Charles Coburn. Nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress for Arthur, Director, Original Story, and Screenplay. This movie won Best Supporting Actor for Charles Coburn. Uh, the plot is during the World War II housing shortage in Washington. Two men and a woman share a single apartment, and the older man plays Cupid to the other two. Um, this movie felt like weird, weird Washington propaganda at the beginning. Because it was like in sunny, shiny Washington where everyone is friendly and nice and does what they're supposed to do because they do it, because it's their job and they care about people and blah, 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 blah. blah. And it goes on for like five minutes and then you get to the opening scene and and Charles Coburn is like, what do you mean that I can't have a room? <laughs> you know? I re-
1: I reserved this room, sir. You reserved it for Tuesday. Yes, and today's Sunday. Right.
0: Right. But I always arrive early. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Of course we do, sir. You know. Um I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was it was it was fun. Like it I don't was. think there's really anything I I this is weird to say. I think it gets nominated because it's 1943-44, and and people are like, oh, my God, uh, uh, I can laugh. And this what, is the only movie
1: the... that doesn't have to do with World War Two.
0: Yeah, or something sad. Yeah. You know, it's uh, one or the two.
1: This reminded me a lot of that movie we saw last season or the season before with Colonel Mustard and Hattie McDonald and the dog. It was essentially um... the same plot. Like... The woman was like, "We need it to It happened rent- one night. No,
0: no. Every-
1: the, like the woman had to rent out the rooms up from the of the house, and Colonel mussed rented it, and he didn't like the dog, and the dog was always sitting on his oh, bed.
0: Oh, right, 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 right. It's the um. um... Shoot, I know which one you're talking about That wasn't last season, that was last episode, wasn't it?
1: It was definitely not last episode
0: Oh, goodness gracious No, because it what also
1: took place during World War II
0: <laughs> I know which one you're talking about It's like, the, all the men are at war And yeah. so the women have to rent their room Yeah, yep. it, is, it was kind of like that I mean, you Only said this, this movie's was not good. about World War II But it is like, Well, it's, it's about World War II the war. because
1: of the, house, of the housing shortage in Washington uh, But, that being said I think it gets nominated because this is like classic Hollywood comedy.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's a little screwball. Yep. It's well timed. Uh, a lot of a lot of physical comedy. <laughs> we
1: gotta we gotta get to sleep. Seven AM we have to be up by seven AM. Why? What's at seven A. M.? The steeplechase.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought if I had watched this movie enough, I would quote everything that Charles Coburn said. Oh That's yeah! What it felt like. I mean, this, he only that, had three lines:
1: "Steeplechase" and "Damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead."
0: Yeah, <laughs> he did keep saying, but I, they even say, like you said, you you said that yesterday." <laughs> uh, yeah, this was uh, this was it really went, good fun. There was also like I I I texted it to you, and I I can't think of it exactly, but you're like, "There's the problem with you're like everyone lies to one another." Take Hitler, for instance. <laughs> 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 like, I mean, he's he's right. He's correct. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny. Yeah. And this
1: isn't the only movie Charles Colburn is in this year. He's also in the movie um, Heaven Can Wait. Yes. Uh,
0: it's not but, nearly as fun in that movie.
1: Better in this movie, I think. Although I did, like, I did really like him in both. He is better in this movie. I mean, he's got more to do. He's more of a central character, even though he's supporting. Mm-hmm. Um I thought Gene Arthur was wonderful. The, she was the other
0: guy who Joel McCree. Yeah. That guy. Joel McCrea. Yeah.
1: He he's good. Um I also I also love the fact that Charles Colburn just like casually rents out half of his room that he's renting from this woman without even discussing it with her.
0: Right. I know, <laughs> but and then she just goes with it. She's like, Oh, yep. Whatever, like, right. I'm over I, it, but at I 7.02, you... you have to do this, and at 7.03, I'm over here, and you're making your eggs at
1: 7.06. I want you both out. Well, I already paid up for the week. Well, that's all I can do. I tried.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I. this is a movie. It's on YouTube, and so yes. it's free on YouTube and I, I highly recommend that everybody watch it for a good laugh. Like it's a it's, it's a, a, a mean yeah if hour you, and a half.
1: Yeah. If you really like comedies, watch it. If you I would say like if especially if you like Steve Martin, Martin Short, like the screwball comedies, uh, definitely watch it. Or if you just really like good old classic Hollywood you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because there really wasn't anything in this that didn't age well either, which I also appreciated. Like, it's just it's pretty it's it's a little like men are, are like men and women are like women. But yeah. besides that, you know, it's you know, it is what it it, it is, what it is from that perspective. But yeah. um, I do think it takes a bit of a dip towards the end where it, it like tries to be serious And I was was fun. Just keep being funny. Just keep,
1: yeah. Just keep being funny. Um, I could have done without the very. I mean, otherwise, there's no real, there's no real problem in the movie. I could have done without the minor side story where, like, the kid calls in because, you know, he thinks he's a Japanese guy spying on the, Mm -hmm. on the treasury or whatever, like. I could've done it without that. that that's it
0: the that's good. the part that felt unnecessary yeah.
1: to me. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was weird. But yeah. overall this movie was really good. And it was the first movie I watched and I'm Same. kinda sad that I I watched it first.
0: Same. It set a really good precedent for the <laughs> Right, rest like, of them ooh, not this is gonna be a great year. Yep.
1: Oh, that didn't last.
0: No, it sure didn't. I really like when they're um when Joel McCree and Charles Coburn are reading um, Dick, Dick Tracy, Tracy yep. the Sunday commons, yep. the Sunday comics. And she's like, don't you have a better use of your time? Charles Coburn is like, um, he's like, once I missed Superman twice and I've never been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> like... That guy
1: gets comic book culture.
0: Yeah, he does. Um,
1: <laughs> it was. It's not in my fun facts, but I guess the villain that they talk about in the Dick Tracy mm-hmm. uh cartoon isn't actually a Dick Tracy villain in the news strips.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, someone didn't do their research.
1: Nope, not at all. Not even a little.
0: Nope, but you did yours for fun facts, I would imagine. I did. let's hear them.
1: The unusual little car of Connie's friend's drive is a 1936 Fiat 500A Topolino. Topolino means little mouse in Italian, and the car was very rare in the U.S.,
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That was an odd-looking comedy. It looked like one of those wind-up
1: mouse toys.
0: Yep. And now that you say that it was a Fiat, I was like, yep, that also (laughs) makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm."
1: The last comedy George Stevens ever made. After this film completed, he joined the war effort capturing battle footage from the European front. When he returned to Hollywood filmmaking, he only made westerns and dramas.
0: Wait. We've watched a lot of George Stevens movies. Is
1: he the one who did Chain? yes Hmm.
0: yes i have to mm, i will look that up while you do fun facts i have to think about that
1: one is a really good movie and the other is shane
0: (laughs) (laughs) george stevens a very oh no george stevens did uh, uh well he did do shane okay uh and he also did our favorite movie ever oh god giant oh god so this was his last. Strictly...
1: So this was his last good movie, is what I'm hearing.
0: Uh, it very well could be, <laughs> um, but there's been some stuff. I mean, The Talk of the Town, Vigil of the Night, Vicious Lady, Quality Streets, o- Annie Oakley. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, there's something else. But you know, he also directed the first concentration camp documentary. Um, so almost from there, you want to like. Okay, you make whatever you want afterwards, whatever makes you happy.
1: Jean Arthur was getting into trouble with Columbia Pictures because she kept turning down roles. Rather embarrassed about this, she contacted her friend, Garrison Cain, and asked him to pen her something that she could take to the studio. Cainan was out of work at the time and readily accepted her proposal, which Arthur ended up paying for out of her own pocket.
0: That's interesting, but considering that he is not a credited writer on this movie.
1: He probably I mean, just came up with the broad strokes.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Was that three? That was three. That was three. Wonderful. And we're moving on to In Which We Serve, directed by Noel Coward and David Lean.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I just I, – a war movie with the, directed by the guy named Coward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And okay. well and David Lean though. Yeah. Lean. Oh,
1: we will get to him in we will get to him in fun facts.
0: Oh oh goodness. Because as we know, oh, no.
1: no one ever likes David Lean.
0: Oh, I know. But he's so talented. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. But 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 truly, anyway, um Written by Noel Coward, starring John Mills, Celia Johnson, Kay Walsh, and Bernard Miles, nominated for Best Picture and Original Screenplay. This movie won an award for Noel Coward for his outstanding production achievement. In which we serve, um, and he gets like a certificate what the- for just like like wow, what a movie! Here's a piece of paper.
1: Wait, wait, wait. it got nominated for awards.
0: Picture and original screenplay. Didn't win. But it won outstanding production. So it won like a special best picture.
1: That makes no sense.
0: I, well, it was, they did things weird then. That's. (sighs) Wait until. They boiled their chicken. You know, like, what do you want? You know, that's. Wait until we get uh, to the
1: fun facts. Just.
0: Okay. Just wait. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, anyway, this story is about, quote, the story of a ship. The British destroyer HMS Torin is told by flashbacks by survivors as they cling to a life raft. So it's basically they're on the boat and then the boat sinks and then they get stuck in the water. And they're like, oh, remember when we were building the ship? And then remember what was life we like before that? Here? Yeah, before we before we weren't in the water like in Indianapolis. So um, I thought that the spectacle of the boat going down was very well done. And I think that the idea, the framing of the story, like they reminisce about the boat while they're in the water trying to survive. What a great idea. This movie was so boring.
1: It really was. Su- yeah. Super, super boring. This yep. is one of two movies that we watched that I wouldn't say. I, okay. I am saying they're bad. But okay. it's be, just because of the boredom. Like I instantly forgot them. Like as I was watching it.
0: The image of the boat getting hit and sinking yeah. ha stayed with me. Outside of that That's it. That's it. That's yep. it. That's the that's the end of the it could have been the end of the movie for all I care. Yeah. And that's the I, beginning of the I movie. I
1: believe there was a scene in which they sang Nearer my God to thee.
0: They sure did. Yep. And I thought of Titanic, just for yes. you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. Another and boat I thought of Perfect down. Storm. Oh, also good. Yeah. Another boat that goes down. Yep. That's what people just have to stop singing that song. It's cursed.
1: (laughs) But you have to sing it on a boat. Like, every time I go on a boat, I sing it, and everyone looks at me weird. Also, because I'm usually in a life vest and already in a... In the lifeboat. (laughs) In the lifeboat. I'm like, look, in case anything happens, I don't have to worry. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. I brought my cello to play you all to play you all while while you uh while you sink. but I don't really play, so it's just gonna be like that harpo Marx <laughs> gag where I, like I pull it back and it goes flying I, I I brought my cello
1: so I can play as you guys are thinking, oh, do you take requests? I only know near my God to thee <laughs> no. it
0: it's all muscle memory from here. <laughs> But anyway, that, that's all I really much have to say on the movie. Yeah, it was kind no, of boring, and yeah. don't watch it. Like I get, I certainly understand why it gets nominated in 1944. Yeah, I mean, because they're at it's, the it's height of World War II. Yeah, well, an achievement. Then it's the height of World War II, and anything that anything that clearly seems to treat World War II um, with respect at this point seems worthy of a nomination. So Which is that's why so we they get go 10 movies. It. That is correct. Also, that's what the, they were doing then because we've always had 10 movies. Yeah, but leading, still. Leading up into this point in the 40s. Yeah, I know. But I think it's 40 – it's either in the 30s or the 40s. It might be next year. I can't remember that they didn't actually have awards. Um, So there's one year that they smushed them together, mm-hmm. and it's either It's either in the 30s or the 40s. I can't remember.
1: Side note – Um. I believe this might be the first year of the Golden Globes too. Oh, because I saw a bunch of—I didn't use any of them because we don't typically talk about the Golden Globes. But I saw a few like this is the first time a person won Best Male Actor at the Golden Globes. Well, this is the first time someone won both the Golden Globe and the Academy Award.
0: You're correct. Golden Globes started in January of '44.
1: Yeah, so there you go. Good side. Note. All right.
0: Wow.
1: What? Who? Fun facts. Yeah, just yeah, do fun facts. Fun facts. yeah. All right. The idea for the movie sprang out of Noel Coward's friendship with Sir Winston Churchill. The two often painted together. And his desire to do something more substantial than urban comedies to help the war effort for his friend. Coward actually felt that with the coming of war the world of which he wrote, bright young things scampering around drawing rooms, was a world that no longer existed looking at you, Downton Abbey.
0: <laughs> that actually makes the movie that makes me like the movie more, not from a like wow, I can't wait to watch this again point right. of view, but I'm like, oh wow, I like that why this movie exists for right. that reason.
1: Winston Churchill hated this movie.
0: I wouldn't be surprised. He hated <laughs> lots of things. <laughs> there was a
1: tragedy during shooting of the movie, during a relatively straightforward special effects scene of an explosion in a gun turret. Relatively straightforward. Explosion and gun turret should never be in the same sentence.
0: For a movie, that's <laughs> relatively normal in the
1: forties.
0: Yeah, they made war movies okay. and stuff already. Yeah.
1: After the first take, Sir David Lean, Noel Coward wasn't present, was dissatisfied. Chief electrician Jock Dymore, keen to get the scene wrapped before lunch, climbed onto the set with a bottle full of the flash powder used for the explosive effect. The containers were. The containers they were using were still white hot from the first take, and the resulting blast killed Dymore and seriously injured two others.
0: Oh, that's terrible. That's all David Lean's fault. Yeah. Not really, but it's kind of David Lean's fault.
1: After about three weeks of shooting, Noel Coward realized that A. Sir David Lean knew a lot more about filmmaking than he did, and B. He didn't care much for the long hours, so Coward effectively handed over the directorial reins to his partner at that point. So this guy also won a special award for letting someone else do all the
0: work. (gasps) That's crap. (laughs) That is total crap. Man, this is hard. Here you go, Davey. (laughs) Like, you just finish this up. But don't worry, Bridge on River Kwai is going to be real good. It'll be worth it for you. Also, Lawrence of Arabia. See ya um oh uh, that's annoying i'm glad i didn't like this movie <laughs> anyway oh man anyway let's go to a movie i let's go to a movie i surprisingly did enjoy madame Curie, directed by mervyn leroy and albert lewin written by paul osborne hans remue and ava curie based on her book um starring greer garson and walter pigeon Nominated for Best Picture, Actor for Pigeon, Actress for Garson, Cinematography for a black-and-white film, Art Direction for a black-and-white film, Sound and Music, this movie won zero awards. Um, the movie is uh, about um, Pierre Curie, for despite himself being an accomplished physicist and a vowed bachelor, he falls for brilliant student Marie, and together they embark on the discovery of radium. Here's my problem with this movie. I said I just like it because it, you know, I, I did. I thought it was funnier than I anticipated. I thought it was going to take itself really seriously, mm-hmm. and I found I found the Curies really enjoyable. I found yeah. Walter Pigeon and Greg Arson like they had good chemistry. They really off did. of one another. The problem is that the movie is called Madame Curie, and it is about her, but it is through it is through her husband, through Walter Pigeon's character. Like she like just like shows up and walks from room to room and you're like this is this should be a vehicle for Garson mm-hmm. but it's a but it's a movie for Pigeon and Garson who is playing Madame Curie just like happens to be there most of the time mm-hmm. and I it's funny because
1: that. it's their it's their kid that wrote this
0: right well if she wrote the book but that doesn't mean that they she had input on the way that they would that they would frame the movie. Yeah. And I, I just didn't, I thought it was, I thought it was sexist that they, they framed it from her husband's perspective. And like, they were reverential to her. So don't like, don't mistake me there that they right. treated it, her poorly. Right. In that respect, you know, like they gave her, it, they gave her the credit for radium and like all this stuff. But, but it just felt like it wasn't her movie. It was his movie. Uh, was, I, mostly, I would mostly. say
1: it's their movie. Okay. Now, that being said, I do feel like there's some things that the movie doesn't go into detail about, mm-hmm. like his death isn't an emotional point in the movie towards the sure. end. But Spoilers.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, he's not <laughs> still alive. So, uh, mm. but. Her death isn't covered.
0: No, it's not. No, she. They. They made it as if she's more of like a a mythological figure,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like you know, treating her of like as someone of history. She ascended you know, into like, science heaven. Kind of. That's yeah. it's kind of the way that she's almost like saintly. Yeah. And then, and he's the, and he's like, I'm the regular human that fell for her. Like that's kind of the, um, that's kind of the way that they. Yeah. they uh, make this uh, choose to lens this film right. Which, is, right, right which is which is their choice i don't think it's it totally distracts from the film completely because like i said it's still it's still very good i think yeah. it's a little slow once you start getting to the experiments well like it's, one...
1: it, yeah it's funny you should mention that cuz this is the second movie i've seen about Madame curie's life the first being radioactive, which also came out this year, mm-hmm. this year being 2020, not 1944, um, and both movies super boring.
0: Yeah, I have not heard good things about radioactive. And, I avoided it.
1: Yeah, and don't get me wrong, like I don't think Madam, I don't think the movie Madame Curie is bad or boring. I don't think it's as interesting as I wanted it to be. Hmm. Um but i agree with you they have great chemistry together the two the two leads do a really good job in their roles and seeing them together is very enjoyable and there are parts of the movie that are enjoyable i just think when it gets down to the science stuff that it it's not that it comes too easy because there is there is some sort of friction on trying to figure out exactly what radium is and and the Movie does a better job of explaining like the issue, the scientific issues of it, mm-hmm. but it just also never feels like they're doing too much to find out because they're essentially handed the rock, like sure. sh- like they're handed the rock. They didn't go out and find it. They didn't come up with a theory. It was all based on this rock that they found. So maybe I was just hoping that the story was m- more interesting than just like. Hey, this rock glows, and it glows more than this and this put together, so let's figure out what it is.
0: Sure. So you're more disappointed not in the movie but in the real-life story of how Radium was discovered. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I can't really fault the movie for that, so I, I can't deduct points for them actually being truthful, I guess. Um, but I understand your point, but I think they make a point earlier in the film that so much of science is accidental, um, too like, that's a, that's, you know, you can like, cause the, the, the guy that gives them the guy, the doctor that gives them the rock in the first place, you know, he was like, oh, I had this idea that, you know, rocks absorb sun and maybe they'll like siphon it off and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, were you correct? He's like, no, horribly wrong. Terrible experiment. Failed completely. <laughs> but I did discover this while doing that. And that's most of science. Yeah. Um, I was looking over here, and while doing that, I accidentally discovered all of this crap over here. Right. So
1: – Look at all I – f- I forget what it is, but, like, look at all the stuff that uh, –
0: Insulin is like that. Insulin I was an accident. Yep.
1: Insulin what was it? Penicillin? Was penicillin?
0: Penicillin, not insulin. I meant – yeah, I meant penicillin. Yeah.
1: Penicillin, Viagra. Like, there is so many things that came out of, like, trying yeah. even, to find
0: – Even birth control was supposed to be an acne medicine. Yep. You know – like yeah. all, the, all that stuff, it's all accidental. So, but anyway, um, but it's good. Um, and if you want to know more about her, it's worth a watch. Yeah, it, it just needed a good couple of montages to get through the it experiment really a little faster. Yeah.
1: Like, like zippy montage music, sciencey stuff.
0: Yeah, I'll be a hero. Da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, She's like horns like and yeah. stuff, and beakers and <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, that that's what beakers, did it, it
1: flames, explosions. <laughs> I know how to make a science movie. I've seen yeah. Frankenstein. That's
0: yes, right. You just like blah, 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 like a little pot blows up and her face is covered in soot. And you're like, ha, right. ha, ha, that's funny. Keep going with your montage. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. These are what you yeah. need.
0: Yeah. Uh, give me some fun facts on Madame Curie.
1: All uh, right. Originally planned for Greta Garbo and Spencer Tracy to star in, however – Ave Curie, who wrote the memoir of her mother on which the film was based, thought Garbo was too glamorous. Her contract gave her star approval, and she used it to insist Greer Garson to be cast.
0: Huh.
1: We want, we want to cast this person. That's too pretty to be my mother. Get her out of here.
0: I mean, Greer Garson was beautiful, so I don't know what <laughs> she was like. But she wasn't – she's natural. She's naturalistic right. in in her own way That as – you know like Hollywood naturalistic. I want to get to that when we get to Casablanca, but um but um uh, um what's it? um I Greta Garbo was like Hollywood.
1: Yeah. As a proper English lady, Greta Garson insisted on having tea served on the movie set every day at four o'clock. Once when filming a scene, the actors were interrupted by a sharp whistling sound. Director Mervyn LeRoy shouted, Cut, what the hell is that noise? A voice responded from offstage. It's Miss Garson's tea kettle, sir.
0: That's great. (laughs) Whoops.
1: The film makes no mention of of the rather ironic fact that Marie Curie died of aplistic anemia at the age of 66, most likely because of her handling of radium in her lifetime. Her lab books are kept under lock and key as they are still irritated more than 100 years after use. Her daughter, Irene Jolie-Curie, and son-in-law, Frederick Jolie-Curie, who continued her research, also died of radiation-based illnesses.
0: Huh. That is... It's true. I guess I just took it for granted that I knew that because th- she goes to the doctor in one scene and she was like, uh, don't worry, it's nothing to worry about. And you're like, dun-dun-dun. But it is something to worry about. Um,
1: well, I don't know because they never talk about it again.
0: Yeah, good point. You know, it was a really good... Uh, was a, I watched uh, Chernobyl um, almost immediately after watching this. It was a very good double feature. I would recommend <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. That was all three, right? I
1: mean, yeah. I mean, you could argue. I don't, yeah, you can argue that because of Marie Curie, Chernobyl happened, right?
0: Oh, that's a a perfect correlation. Yeah. Okay. Between that, you know. But I mean, I wouldn't because it's not she was dead already. You know. <laughs> so, no uh, need to
1: kick her while she's down.
0: Yeah, I mean, be like, you know, so and so got run over by a car. Well, I blame the guy that invented the wheel. You know, you can only. Can only go so far, <laughs> you know. All right. So anyway, uh, heaven can wait until we do the Oxbow incident. The Oxbow incident directed. No, I'm just kidding. That would, it was a good joke, though. You didn't laugh. Uh,
1: I thought you were. I thought you screwed up the order. And then I'm looking at my fun facts and I'm like, no, no, it's supposed to be heaven can wait. What are you? Moving no, in? I didn't
0: know. I didn't screw. up. The, I just was I was making a joke. Heaven can wait directed by Ernest Loopstitch. Written by Samson Raphaelson and based on the play by Leslie Bush Ficchette, Starring Gene Tierney, Donna Mesh, Charles Coburn, and Marjorie Maine. Nominated for Best Picture a Director and uh, Cinematography for a Movie in Color. This movie won zero awards.
1: For good reason. Wow, that's mean.
0: I know. The plot an old Rue arrives in Hades to review his life with Satan who will rule on his eligibility to enter the underworld i think this movie has a i the beginning of the movie is interesting and i thought it has a great setup yes and i was like oh like oh this is cool i like yep. this this is this is and then and then he starts the flashbacks i'm like wow this is boring yeah like it like had really such does. a good setup it, it
1: really does like the beginning part with him and the devil and then the woman coming in that he knows and them being in, like, in the middle of the conversation and the devil sends her straight to hell.
0: Yep, that was so good. That was She really... was like, I remembered you had good legs. Well, I still do. And she, like, starts, like, those <laughs> are best left to memory. Like, all right, let's... there's some good stuff in there. Those
1: those parts were the best part um, mm-hmm. because it's the wraparound story. So they come back to them every so often throughout the movie. So that is good. Also, the like, the very ending um, with the devil being like, you don't, belong here you belong maybe in heaven but maybe not in heaven proper like you might have to stand you might have to be heaven adjacent for a little while but sooner or later they'll let you in
0: yeah that's right we are basically trying to say purgatory without purgatory
1: yeah which is weird um
0: didn't want to offend the people who don't believe in purgatory
1: <laughs> but are you going to be fine with heaven and hell like that yeah. seems like a weird delineation
0: yeah, well, some some Christian denominations don't believe in purgatory. Yeah, okay. So, well, if, if they're trying to make it like yeah. Christian Christian neutral, I guess.
1: <laughs> so those were the really so those were the really good parts. Uh, Coburn, who's in this movie, has some good scenes, and he's in because it's about the guy's life from kind of his his young days he's- to him.
0: It's literally old. from conception to death. Yeah, so like, it goes so, through the whole
1: Coburn, thing. like, lasts about halfway through. But over overall, this movie falls flat after such a good beginning.
0: Yep, sure it does. And it, which is a shame because this was the – this might have been the second movie I watched. And I was like, okay, come on, good, two for two. Yep. Let's yeah. do this. And then it just it plummeted. You know what? I was upset.
1: It goes downhill once he's out of, like, the kid stage. Because the whole thing with, yes. like, him and the... The Beatles. Huh?
0: The, the box and the Beatles. He's like, I've got a beetle. Like, who doesn't love Beatles? Well, I've got another beetle. Well, I was
1: going to say, like, him and the maid drinking. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Like, that whole exchange with... with especially Colburn in that whole exchange is, is hilarious. Um, so, after that, it goes downhill... It doesn't like fall through the floor, but it's definitely not nearly as good as it as the setup is, and maybe without, I think maybe without the setup being as good as it is, the rest of the movie might be better.
0: Mm. It, but that, that's a good point. But it, it was like they, into, it descends into Satan's office, but it doesn't fall through the trapdoor to hell.
1: Right. So, I mean, you
0: would the end. You wouldn't yeah.
1: waste your time if you watched it. But it just bear in mind after like thirty minutes, it's not going to be nearly as good as you think it is.
0: Yep, that's right. And so, give me some fun facts because I'm already done talking about this movie.
1: Gene Tierney recalled that during production, Liebstick was a tyrant on the set, the most demanding of directors. After one scene which took from noon until five to get, I was almost in tears from listening to Liebstick shout at me. The next day, I shouted at him. Looked at him in the eye and said, Mr. Liebschick, I'm willing to do my best, but I just can't go on working on this picture if you're going to keep shouting at me. I'm paid to shout at you, he bellowed. Yes, I said, and I'm paid to take it, but not enough. After a tense pause, Liebschick broke out, broke out laughing. From then on, they got along famously.
0: Well, just got to tell it like it is, I <laughs> guess.
1: The lead was written with Frederick Mark or Rex Harrison in mind. Ernest Leibstitch was most disappointed when 20th Century Fox boss Daryl F. Zanuck insisted on casting Don Amici for commercial reasons. Leibstitch later recanted his opposition to Amici, won over by the actor's dedication and professionalism.
0: Mesh. same as is a- Donna Mesh. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: it's Don Don Amici. <laughs> Is it? I'm, I'm almost positive it's it's pronounced Amici.
0: Okay, I'll believe you. That's fine. And in um,
1: an early was... example of product placement, the principals meet in Brentano's, a famous New York books chain.
0: Cool. Okay.
1: And do you know? Do you know why anybody knows what Brentano's is? No. Because it was in the misery. Episode of the Critic, the cartoon show with John Lovett. Uh,
0: yeah, I remember the show. And he's, yeah, got, yeah, yeah.
1: he's got a cardboard cutout for his book, and it's an electronic cardboard cutout that moves the book up and down. And he says, "Buy my book, buy my book," over and over again. He's like, they had to take him out of bookstores after a manager of Brentano shot himself.
0: Oh my gosh, that's funny and uh, terrible. That's yeah, funny. no,
1: it was just such a great line.
0: That was a good show.
1: That was a really good show. Mm-hmm. I really—they got to bring that back. John Lovett is still around. He's not doing much,
0: for a few reasons. Yeah. Uh, mean, anyway, reasons? I didn't. I, there was a reason that we didn't have John Lovett working anymore. I'll have to look it up. This was a while ago. Really? Yeah. I'm Pretty to sure me. that. Yeah. He's on sure a TV that... show right now. <gasps> Maybe the world has forgiven him for whatever he did. I can't remember. Doesn't he, matter. Maybe he didn't do anything. Let's talk about the Oxbow incident, no, a movie that's why? only an hour and six. it's only an hour and six minutes long? But by gosh, did <laughs> right. not feel longer?
1: But by gosh, it was an hour and a half too long.
0: Yeah, it, maybe an hour and fifteen. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Directed by William A. Wellman, written by Lamar Trotti, and based on the novel by Walter Van Tilburg Clark. Starring Henry Fonda, Dana Andrews, Mary Beth Hughes. This movie was nominated for Best Picture and won nothing. Good. Questioning why it was nominated in the first place.
1: I believe this is also the last movie to be nominated for Best Movie without ever being nominated for anything else.
0: Good. Deserves it. Although we're going backwards in time, so we might be seeing this a few more times. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We're going backwards in time. When a posse captures three men suspected of killing a local farmer, they become strongly divided over whether or not to lynch the men, uh, in the wild west, I would say of the 1800s, um, I think this movie tackles great questions about the meaning of justice and law and order because, like, you have sheriff was not here. We deputize this guy. And he's like, well, I deputize all of you to go out and lynch that guy. People are like, can you do that? No, but I'm going to anyway. And be like, um, the law. I'm like, screw the law. And that's the whole movie. I did it for you. That's
1: not an actual, like, good conversation about raising questions. This is just a completely lawless movie.
0: Complete, well you have a couple of people at the beginning they're like um that's not a good idea right and then, and then they run off but I, I not so much that it, it's a conversation but it, it does it does present a picture I guess of what it would look like without law if that is that make my point a little clearer
1: I don't think so I think you're reaching
0: no I don't think so I think that's literally what the movie was doing but I'm um, but this movie was so boring like that's that's I'm not saying that it is, you it is should boring. watch it because of that right
1: it, it is boring but also
0: all westerns are boring well no.
1: th- i mean that is besides the point i've said that before but also as i've as i've kind of stated before like if i can't if i can't um empathize or really get into the like characters motivations Mm -hmm. it's it's a difficult movie for me and this movie just begets the western stereotype of like we're manly men because we're in the west and we're gonna do what we want regardless of anything
0: true (sighs) though I think that the movie was trying to say that's bad that would be I guess my my point to the, movie.
1: but there's no here's the here's the problem with it. even if you want to take the, into account that it's bad, they aside from one person who takes his own life, there is no, there is no ramifications for their lawless actions at all. Even when the sheriff comes out at the end and's like, "Hey, by the way, one, The guy that you think is dead is not dead. Two, you lynched perfectly innocent people that had nothing to do with him getting shot. Three, okay, you guys can all go back to your life now.
0: Sure, yeah. That would be the hypocrisy of life in the Wild West. Ah. Ah. They don't call it wild for nothing. I don't know. I'm not... I'm not so much defending the movie as, like, I can see no, what it's but trying I'm, to do. Yeah. The, but I,
1: no, we're having a discussion on the greater themes of the movie because the movie itself is not good.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: So we have to fill in time, damn it, Tim.
0: No, we don't. We have five movies left.
1: Yes, but if we just gloss over everything, people are going to stop listening.
0: That's not true. They, nobody has seen any of these movies except, except for Casablanca.
1: Hmm. I've seen all of these movies.
0: That's true. I have, too. That makes two people. I'm sure some members of the Academy have also seen them.
1: Probably. That that nun. That nun probably watched them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know she did. Um, Give me some fun facts because I really don't want to talk about this movie anymore.
1: Although completed and copyrighted in 1942, and premiered in St. Louis in December 1942, this film was put on the shelf until May 1943, as 20th Century Fox had no idea how to market a film with such inflammatory politics and a really boring story.
0: You added the really boring story part. Possibly. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The production of the film would be shut down for a week or 10 days due to... $5,000 per film limit on new construction materials. During the shutdown, all ready-used sets were torn down so that their material could be reused to build the Mountain Pass set. Studio studio publicity noted that the Oxbow Valley setting was the largest set ever constructed by Fox, and that covered 26,703 feet.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. The early versions of the script included the suicide of Gerald Tetley, and that the film was to end with the reappearance of Rose Mapin and her husband in the saloon, rather than with Gillen Art leaving to take the letter to Martin's wife. The contents of Martin's letter are not revealed in the book, but director William A. Wellman thought that it was important to make them explicit and had Lamar Trotty compose the letter.
0: Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, what a what a fascinating, fascinating thing that you've you've said. Wonderful. So good. Yeah. Okay.
1: Pay more That's attention.
0: Good. Okay. Well, I um just so you know, um, it is 1933 that there are no Academy Awards. Aww. And so we have 34 coming up next episode, but next season the threes will actually be ending on the forties.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. That's uh, interesting. Okay. Uh, was that all your fun facts? Yep. Wonderful. You would know that if you were listening. It's true. I was looking something up. I'll go back. I have to edit this. I'll go back and listen to it then. It won't,
1: won't be the same.
0: You're right. It won't be because I can fast forward if it's boring. <gasps> <laughs> uh, the Song of Bernadette, directed by Henry King, written by George Seaton, based on the novel by Franz Orfel. Starring Jennifer Jones, Charles Bickford, William Eath, Vincent Price, Gladys Cooper, and Anne Revere. Nominated for Best Picture, Supporting Actor for Bickford, Supporting Actress for Cooper, and Revere, Director, Writing, Sound, and Editing. This movie won Best Actress for Jones, Black and White Cinematography, Music, Art Direction for Black and White Film. Plot is about a young girl named Bernadette who claims to have seen a divine vision of Mary... Which prompts both a religious phenomenon and extreme skepticism. Um, I had seen this movie before, um, so none of this, n- none of it was a sh- shock for me. I kind of enjoyed it when I was a kid. It was really long when I was a kid, and it's well, yeah, still, it's like two and a half hours long. Yeah, it's long even as an adult. Um, it is, but I enjoy I enjoy the I enjoy the relevancy of the film. Where people are like, I saw something. We're all religious here in this town. I saw Mary. We're, you're lying. What an idiot you are. You're just a stupid, stupid person. I mean, that's um,
1: that's virtually every movie about every like important religious figure.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah.
1: it's a reoccurring theme in religion.
0: It sure is. Like, we believe this. Well, this happened. Well, we don't believe that. I mean, like, to be fair, <laughs> at
1: least she... At least she wasn't burned at the stake.
0: Yeah, uh, poor Joan. I think we have a Joan of Arc movie coming up sometime.
1: And I believe they reference Joan of Arc, don't they, in this movie?
0: Yeah, well, this uh, Lord's is in France, and Joan of Arc was
1: right. Also and French. they right, but it, yeah, because they said, oh, because like when the when the big like townspeople are talking, they're like, you know, oh, it could have been worse for her. She could have been like that other girl.
0: Joan. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's like just like sizzle, sharpening. Sizzle. Someone's like sharpening some wooden sticks. Yep. Tying some like I got my matches. Oh, oh we're not we're not burning her at the stake. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. Yeah. I let's try it I, your way. <laughs> I I very much enjoyed. I very much enjoyed the. Like, I guess, like, I guess like I that the hypocrisy of, like, the town officials would be like, oh, this isn't my problem, it's your problem, this is my problem, it's your problem, and blah, blah, blah. You know, I enjoy that kind of passing the buck kind of thing because, mm. like, ah, things don't really change, do they? Like, we think they do, but they don't. Right. Uh, I I thought Vincent Price was fun. He yeah. was almost, like, not Vincent Price, if that no, makes sense.
1: he was his character from Ten Commandments.
0: Uh, he definitely was not. He was. He didn't pose once. <laughs> not once. Didn't he though? I mean, might have. Actually up against the bars at the end. Yeah. He was a little like, oh, oh <laughs>
1: We need oh. a we need a non believer in a in a religious movie. Get us Vincent Price.
0: Get us Vincent Price. Uh yeah, I think this is I think this movie is worth people's time if you're interested in the content. Like it's not a movie that I think pleases everybody. Um, But if you are – but if you're interested in a faith-based movie that also features hypocrisy Uh um, and some some very good acting and cinematography, I think that this movie deserves a lot of the awards that it won, Uh, especially since it – they did a really good job at replicating Lords, like especially at the end. I was like, wow, that's – that's that's what it looks like right there. That's it. So stuff like that it was is is good. It definitely could have been forty minutes shorter. Yes. Yeah. That is too that, long.
1: Yeah, that is absolutely true. I I did enjoy this movie. Um, I thought it was mostly cap, mostly captivating. Might seem, might seem both weird choice of words because it is, and that I really. Thought this movie was was extremely interesting. This is this will hold your attention, uh, which I didn't think it was going to mm. when I when I figured out what the movie was, because I was worried that it would that it would be a little bit too reverential.
0: Yes, which yeah, which and you
1: can it, have, unfortunately. It, it,
0: yeah, I think what I liked about it is that the point was like they really showcased the people who weren't reverential right and i think that's kind of where the strength of the film lies in the skepticism because yeah. as the viewer i mean you're not skeptical as a viewer because you see her see the vision yeah right it doesn't play it's not like a christopher nolan movie you're like oh like is she like imagining it yeah. like you know you're you're supposed to be on her side um it doesn't It doesn't like make it seem like she's crazy, you know, but um...
1: I do also like the fact that unlike other movies with a similar subject, Mm. um, she is not murdered. That was a good thing. Yep. Um, So it it was definitely different in the fact that once I saw where this was kind of going, I was like, and she's going to die when?
0: yeah when she's old wow good for her yeah (laughs) well not really (laughs) well sort of when she's sick (laughs) when yeah
1: when she's 20
0: yeah well Um, she was older than she was previously (laughs) yeah yeah i i mean this is a true story so it's not right
1: There's, there's only so much you can you can do to make it to change it like you can't change fundamentals like she wasn't burned at the stake so you weren't gonna throw that in there yeah um but like she was, you know, she was called crazy. She was called, she was called clinically insane, for whatever term that they had back then. Um, but it was never like they never really threatened her life. Which, no, and you know, it, the movie makes her. a point
0: of that. They're like, she's not. They were like, I can't. She's like, I'm not going to arrest her. She's not doing anything illegal. She right. said she saw a divine vision. She didn't even say of what it was. Like if that's people true were just for assuming- the longest
1: time. Although for the longest time, it's not even like she says it's a divine vision. She just says she sees a woman. And it's not until like halfway through the movie where like the priest is like, well, ask her her name. And then even then she's like, yeah, she didn't give me her name. But she said she was the Immaculate Conception.
0: And then like, oh, well, Mary wouldn't say that because of this reason, this reason, this (laughs) reason, this reason, this reason.
1: Yep. We all know Mary would have called herself
0: Beth. Yeah, right <laughs> Obviously her nickname taken for her cousin Elizabeth, obviously <laughs> Good, nailed it um, I am such a good priest, Pat Self on back Walks off screen
1: <laughs> I And again, I realize this is A I realize this based on a true story And I would have liked to know If this pers- If this character was actually based on an actual person I thought the nun Was a little much
0: Oh, the first one. She was like, You're stupid. That nun?
1: The, well, the nun that is, um, the nun that comes back at the end where she's like, I don't believe you, so I'm leaving the town.
0: Oh, sure. She probably was a real person based on my, based on everybody else. I, I would assume that Vincent Price's character is the one that's not real. No, he's real. Be- he was a real guy. Yeah,
1: really. he was real. Um, he, uh, I, he wasn't an atheist either like he was an actual religious person
0: and he just didn't be, and he didn't believe her Correct. Con- he didn't but he had this, but he had this conversion like moment because that's why he actually assumed that he wasn't real he seemed like too much of a setup of a character to be like this is the character the antagonist of the story and he won't believe her the whole time but at the end but neither he will sees this none. and experiences this yeah she was the real one yeah, yeah. she
1: that was the one and i i get her i get her her reasoning well she, so do you <laughs> yeah. I, all right here's the thing i don't understand her reasoning but she is the person she is the person in every story about a religious about a religious experience like this that is i'm very religious But I don't believe you because why would God talk to you and not me?
0: Yes, she's the hypocrisy. That's what I'm talking about. That's what this movie. And the
1: difference is this time is it's being done by, by a nun and not somebody that you could, like, not somebody that you could kind of like sweep under the rug, like Mm -hmm. you know, a higher up in Rome where you could argue like they're more worried about maybe the, you know, power being taken away from Rome or something. Like, this nun had no skin in the game. Nothing was going to affect her position in the church. Mm-hmm. And yet she still didn't believe Bernadette.
0: That's right, because she thought Bernadette, she was like, she has asthma and she's dumb. Like, she can't possibly. <laughs> I, that's the, it, that's what gets me about, like, I, I'll, i I will not rant on this podcast, but if you are interested in my viewpoints, I, I can rant to you at alternate times, but like this, like I just can't stand like people who are like, um, uh, I guess they're, they're the Pharisees, right? They're the hypocritical ones. Right. That's the, whole, like the point that I, I'll say hypocrite one more time, just to really send that message home. Cause I've said it like 50 times already. Yeah. But like the idea of like, i'm giving to the poor look at me ding ding doing this and then jesus is like by the way you shouldn't flaunt all that stuff you should just do it because it's the right thing to do and not really be showy about it because Mm -hmm. by showing about it you're doing it for the wrong reasons like i'm doing it for the good reasons look at me do it she's that kind of person i can't stand those type of people
1: see i don't i don't think she is
0: she just well, I mean, feels... I think she's a believe. She's a believer. Right. I'm, I'm not saying, and but... she's
1: also like you know, people. It's funny, like the line that she was kind of towing in this because her her reasoning for not believing Bernadette, I don't think she thought Bernadette was lying. Um, but her reason for not believing Bernadette was that all throughout history, these things only happen to people who suffered and she didn't believe bernadette suffered even though she knows bernadette had a- had asthma and mm-hmm. at that time i can just imagine how bad asthma is for someone without any sort of medication
0: right and especially like there's no paved roads or anything that dust is just like kicking up into your right. lungs anytime you go like, for a walk
1: like they had talked about how she was sick all the time and all and all that but she was like i've suffered i've walked on stone floors I, you know, it was the, it was the, why didn't, why did she appear to you and not to me? Didn't I suffer more? I don't feel like she was, she was the kind of person like you were describing, although I understand your, I understand your rant she on kind,
0: those people she kind of is still that person because instead of like I'm giving to the poor she's more like I suffered. Yeah. Like why would it be like it's the same kind of person that be like Jesus would never be poor like you know and then she's Stop. like actually I'm I'm poor. Stop you stealing know? my lines. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't right now?
1: No, I said that in the text.
0: Oh, when, I don't remember when that. I was watching. Oh. This.
1: Yeah. How convenient.
0: Yeah, yeah but, <laughs> convenient. It sounded like Vincent <laughs> was, Price there.
1: <laughs> yeah, but no, it, it's a really good movie. You're right. Easily could have been 45 minutes shorter, mainly because, like, once everyone kind of believes her and she's... All right, one quick thing before we move off the subject. I found it weird. Like, the priest is like, well, everyone believes you now. I believe you. The town believes you. Rome believes you. So now you got to become a nun. You have no choice in this unless you're lying, in which case you can live free.
0: That that, that bit was also weird. And then she goes it,
1: to the she goes to the nunnery. Convent. Yep. The nunnery. <laughs> I just like that word. So she goes to the convent. The the nun that's there is the nun that was there at the beginning who doesn't believe her. Shows mm-hmm. her to a room and she's like, This is your room. This is your cell. By the way, we're not a prison, so if you want to leave, the door's open. Like, but the priest said I had to be here, damn it.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't know who to believe. (laughs) This is silly. She's like, haven't I suffered enough? Like, why, (laughs) yes. Yes, you have. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Give me some fun facts about the song of Bernadette.
1: Yes. Using an actress to play the lady was controversial enough, and further controversy fulminated when Loretta Young was passed over in favor of sultry Linda Darnell. At that time, Darnell had an almost pornographic reputation. Franz Werfel, the author of the book of which the film was based, threatened to remove his name from the project. To make matters worse, Darnell was pregnant. Nothing would change Daryl F. Zanuck's mind, and Werfel was told that an unknown actress was chosen. Wearing a little more, little more drapery than a simple dress and veil described by the historical Bernadette, Darnell played the role in bright light.
0: And just tricked everybody?
1: Yeah. Wow, good for yeah. her. It kind of reminds me when uh, when Evita was being cast, and they cast Madonna. Oh, uh, Ar- sure. And, like, Argentina had a revolt.
0: Yeah. Like, she's not even hard. She's What? She's...
1: It wasn't even <laughs> that. It was the fact that she was Madonna, and they thought she was a whore. Like, well, Evita was pure, yeah. damn it.
0: Yeah. She sang that song <laughs> that time. We loved her for it. That didn't happen in real life.
1: When David O. Selznick heard of the production, he exerted his influence to ensure his then-girlfriend, Jennifer Jones, got the part. She did, and she won an Oscar for it. So Jennifer Jones plays Bernadette, correct? Yes. How old is Jennifer Jones in this movie? Because Bernadette is supposed to be early teens when we see her.
0: Yeah, but Hollywood never cast for the age no. appropriateness. Well, I
1: know that. Like but she didn't look out of place. I'm not saying she looked like a thirty year old, like the guy that was hitting on her in the movie did. I'm just asking, uh, like, how well how well can, she had
0: aged. I will do some quick math for you to find out she's twenty four. She's twenty
1: four? That's yeah. not I mean she looked younger than twenty four. I give her credit.
0: Yes. Yes, she did. Well, part of it, I think even just like hiding her hair and things like that go a long way. You know, they dress her, they make her look a little diminutive and things like that. Yeah. So
1: the movie's original score was partly composed by famous composer Igor Stravinsky, but Hmm. was subsequently rejected in favor of Alfred Newman's score, which includes elements from the score he wrote 10 years earlier for The Hunchback of Notre Dame. When Stravinsky was invited to a screening so he could plot out his score, he replied that he had already begun. evincing a unwillingness to change what he had already composed, he was released from contract. The second movement of his symphony in three movements evolved out of the unused score.
0: Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. I actually listened to that one because you said Stravinsky. Thanks. That was three. That was three, though, right? Yeah, it was. I, I lose track, not because I'm not listening, but sometimes you'll ask a question in the middle of it and we'll go off. And then be like, wait, how many did I listen to? <laughs> I don't know. Um, The Human Comedy. Uh, I believe it's Claren-
1: pronounced Comedia.
0: No. It's just pronounced The Human. You cut the comedy completely. <laughs> the Human Comedy, directed by Clarence Brown, written by William Saroyan. Saruman? Saroyan, yes. Saruman. Hmm. Um, ba- uh, And Howard Estabrook Starring Mickey Rooney Frank Morgan Yay Frank Morgan And James Craig Nominated for Best Picture Best Actor for Rooney Director and Cinematography For Black and White Film This movie won Best Original Story Why? Which is actually a different different uh, Original story is different than Original screenplay yeah, So I you didn't... basically get like a, like an award for like Wow what a good original thought you had Like, somebody else turned it into a screenplay, but that was a good idea.
1: Still don't think it should have won.
0: No, I don't think so either. (laughs) I'm just saying that's what the award is. So anyway, teenage Homer McCauley, Mickey Rooney, stays at home in small town Ithaca, New York, to support his family while his older brother Marcus prepares to go to war. This movie was so dull, and I don't say that lightly because it had Frank Morgan in it. That's true. He was the best part. Oh, he was, and he wasn't enough, meaning he wasn't in every scene (laughs) to keep this movie from being one of the dullest movies I've watched in a long time.
1: Okay, I'm typically hard on movies, and while I'm happy to hear you actually dislike something with that kind of fervor, I will say, aside from Frank Morgan, most of Mickey Rooney's scenes are good.
0: Yeah, it's anytime Mickey he's always he's always good. I mean,
1: I just mean like they're, they're like they're entertaining, watchable. they're watchable. Yeah. His story is interesting. The story about his brother, the story about his sister, his random dad narrating from heaven for some god unknown reason. <laughs> these are all parts of the movie that were bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah, also really like that boy that only shows up in like two scenes. One of them in which he's standing in line at the movie theater and like. Oh, you're standing in line to go see a movie? Nah, I don't have any money. Then why are you standing in line? I was lonely. It's <laughs>
0: <That's> cute. <laughs> it's cute. This movie weird, like becomes the Sandlot at one point, <laughs> where like all the friends gather and they're like, "We gotta go and buy this thing to get this thing," and I'm like, "What is happening?" Yeah. This. Yeah. This. Uh, yeah. I again with the. Again, with the the war and the nominations, you're like, aha, people are like, oh, that's just what it's like for me when they're going off to war. And, you know, and I'm like, all right, I get it. You know, removed from the experience of being in the era of World War II, this movie does nothing. Yeah, It's like it's built purely upon the emotional moment of the era.
1: It's weird because, OK, so obviously me and you were not around during World War II.
0: I, I assume I know about I know I mm-hmm. wasn't.
1: You might have been. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But we were around for
0: 9/11. Yes.
1: Okay. So, you have this movie coming out, in smack dab in the middle of World War II. Mhm. And like you're saying like it gets nominated because of this and people are feeling it because it's World War II, but like not, like I don't like movies about 9/11.
0: At the way people thought about the way people thought about World War One is not exactly comparable to nine eleven. World War Two. World War Two. Well, and one, but I think yeah, I think both. I they're not exactly they're not exactly the correlation together because World War Two is also a moment a lot was well, longer than nine eleven. Nine eleven turns into the war on terror. And the war in Afghanistan and things like that, which were not as fully supportive as World War II. Mm-hmm. Like, you could check almost any history book, and like, there are very few people who are like, we shouldn't be at war because Hitler sucks. You know, like, Oh, there I were th- plenty
1: of people back then.
0: Well, sure, there were people who were pacifists and people who didn't want no, no, to no, go to war. No, no, no. Like,
1: didn't... I'm not talking about pacifists. Like, I don't – like, I, I think the pacifism stuff doesn't really come around until, say – korean and vietnam Mm -hmm. i'm just thinking about like people who were isolationists who were like whatever's happening over there doesn't affect us but there were also people who didn't think hitler was a bad guy until it really 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 became obvious he was
0: sure i mean that's that's always true but at this point in 1943 and 1944 they know that yeah you know, this isn't 1939, 1940, where they're like, oh, we won't get involved. It doesn't matter to us. This is post-Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And so if you want to look at it like nine eleven, Pearl Harbor as something similar, that makes more sense. Um, but see, I, but, so I
1: think it helps – in my mind, it helps being distant because like, I love movies about Pearl Harbor. I enjoy movies that are entertaining about World War Two. Some of these movies I just don't find entertaining.
0: Sure. But, I, that's right. There's a difference between – the removed lens yeah. of, and this is the removed lens of watching because I enjoy movies about World War II tremendously, um, especially the ones that are, are more about the politics of World War II, not really the like emotional. But this not is the like stabby
1: stabby parts.
0: No, no, this is more. This is this is more like the emotional home front of World War II, um, and that is yeah this is, that's it's yeah. more for it's more for them than it is for it's more for them than it is for us all right yeah
1: Frank Morgan's wonderful Mickey Rooney's wonderful like I said Mickey Rooney's stuff I think is really good his scenes his story is good and the rest of it isn't and if you take out that stuff, this movie's like thirty minutes shorter for one. Um, and then probably mm-hmm. a really then probably a really good movie.
0: Maybe yeah. it could it could very well be. We'll never know though. But no. give me some fun facts.
1: The Human Comedy was, according to many reports, MGM studio chief Louis B. Mayer's favorite film. In early, I've lost
0: all respect <laughs> for Louis B. Mayer.
1: In early nineteen forty-three, MGM announced that Gene Kelly was to co-star in The Human Comedy. He ultimately did not appear.
0: I, I saw that. He yeah, was not there. He was not there. <laughs> yeah. Writer
1: William Saruman wanted desperately to direct the film despite having no experience in directing. Louis B. Mayer told Saruman that he would consider the request and assign the writer to direct a one reel short. The short was a disappointment in the studio stalwart Clarence Brown was promptly assigned. Saramon was so bitter about the experience, he wrote a play about Mayer soon after titled, Get Away, Old Man! He also, adopted, he also adapted the story he wrote for a novel, which was published within weeks of the movie's premiere and became a bestseller.
0: Well, how about that? Good for him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That was three, right?
1: That was three.
0: Wonderful. For whom the bell tolls... Parentheses. It tolls for thee. That is not the name S- of the movie. Yeah, I know. It's just for whom the bell tolls, but that's the rest of the line. It's very famous... Also, the guy that I used to work with across the hall from me used to always say that whenever the bell rang for homeroom. They'd be like, he'd be like, ask for whom the bell tolls. And he'd point at his homeroom kids and be like, it tolls for thee. He was a fun guy. Directed by Sam Wood, written by Dudley Nichols, based on the novel by Ernest Hemingway. Starring Gary Cooper, Ingrid Bergman, Kim Tararoff, and Katina Paxnow. Nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for Cooper, Actress for Bergman, Supporting Actor for Tamaroff, Cinematography for a Film in Color, Art Direction for a Film in Color, Editing and Music, it won Supporting Actress for Now. The story takes place during the Spanish Civil War, where an American allied with the Republicans finds romance during a desperate mission to blow up a strategically important bridge. Um, this movie's pretty dull.
1: Yeah. Indiana Jones could not save this movie.
0: No, he really couldn't. Gary Cooper doing his best Indy Jones, yeah. He really did. He had the, the hat,
1: he had the, jacket. the bomber jacket, yep. yeah. He was Indiana Jones. No, this movie's not this movie's not good. I don't I don't know. It felt a little too western for one.
0: It did feel a little western, sure.
1: Um and Is, it, was it
0: the fedoras.
1: It was the fedora. You only wear a fedora in the West.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, but, you cover the cover your neck from the sun.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, I this, I can't. I just can't at all, ever. I don't know.
0: I, this was one of those movies that I was like, I'm looking forward to this. Let's go. And I was like, oh, let's get this over with. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 It's got all the splash of – it's just it has all the splash of – of an Oscar-nominated Best Picture film. It's in color. It's a period piece. It's a a film in color. It's got your big-name actors and actresses. It's It's got got your explosions. It's got your romance. It's got horrible makeup. Truly horrifying and terrible. Um, But there you go.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If somebody out there likes this movie, by all means, drop me a line and tell me why you like this movie because i i can't i just can't see i can't see why it's nominated i can't see why somebody would like it it's it's not badly made it's just not good
0: yes that's exactly right it has all the pieces of what should be it has all the pieces of what should be a good movie and it just doesn't coalesce together yeah the way that that way that it really should
1: and again Um, probably runtime like it it is a two plus out it's a two hour movie maybe a little bit over two hours so again
0: it's like like, yeah i don't
1: mind long run times just fill the time in well like i've i've seen people i've seen people uh like i've complained for one we know that i might have a slight bias against marvel movies slight yeah Um, But, like, I've complained that some Marvel movies are too long. Last year, one of the big complaints with The Irishman was that The Irishman was too long. Mm -hmm. And Film Twitter, like, this could never stand in Film Twitter's eyes. Because I swear to God somebody actually tweeted this. The movie's length is perfect because if it was supposed to be shorter they would have made it shorter.
0: Oh, no, that person's wrong. Yeah, no. No, that's not how movies work at all. No. No, no.
1: like, there's a set amount of time that you can pay attention to a movie, and there's only so long you can make a movie good. Like, you can't, like, I love Titanic. You can't make a six-hour version of Titanic that I know of, unless we get the James Cameron cut. (laughs) You know, it... Movies have a finite runtime because that's all you can get out of the story. And I feel sometimes movies take too long to wrap up a story. And in this one, I think it just takes too long to really get anywhere.
0: Mm. Yep, I I tend to – yeah, that's typical of – Ernest Hemingway stories in the first place and I mean he didn't write the movie it's a, it's, based, it's based on it's based on his novel but there's a kind of a, there's like a rhythm to Hemingway's novels that it's it's hard to adapt it's better to read than to watch on screen because you're kind of looking at the attempt at the rhythm like kind of deliberate and like deliberately slow yeah and it just it doesn't work on screen oh. I don't think
1: Thankfully, we never have to watch a movie based off of any of his stuff again.
0: Um, sure. Ever Great. again. Great. Okay. Give me some fun yep. facts.
1: This film saved the famous song, As Time Goes By, from being removed from Casablanca. Ingrid Bergman became began filming this movie immediately after completing Casablanca. For this role, her hair was cut short. Meanwhile, for Casablanca, Warner Brothers wanted to substitute another song for as time goes by and reshot some scene and reshoot some scenes with actress Bergman. However, since her hair had been cut, there would be a problem with continuity even if Bergman wore a wig, so the idea was dropped.
0: Wow, that was really lucky. Yep. Really lucky.
1: When Ernest Hemingway told Ingrid Bergman she would have to cut Her hair for the role of Maria, she shot back to get that part, I'd cut off my head. She would release, she would rehearse tirelessly until all hours of the night, begging to repeat a scene long after the director was satisfied.
0: I like Ingrid Bergman, she's got it, she has it going on, she knows what's up.
1: This film is known for the extreme use of pancake makeup. With extremely flat colors and unrealistically dark tones, which gives most of the characters a strange clay look. It also gives a lot of characters a strange blackface look. And we've. And I'm not saying it is blackface because it's not. But the fact that you obviously see discoloration on people's faces can mm-hmm. lead you to believe that.
0: Yes. Yeah. So you it's, saw. Uh...
1: Like, you saw what I meant.
0: I knew what you meant. I probably wouldn't have thought it if you didn't say it ahead of time before I watched the movie that they're like, whoa, is there blackface in this movie? Um, But I would have thought like, wow, they're really, really dirty. That's probably like what I would have. Yeah. Probably what I thought. Or I'm like, are they trying to make them Spanish? Well, they were. Would be my other question. I mean, I know that's what they were doing. But like I had a hard, which is not great. Yeah. But... Be,
1: so, like, the person I really noticed it the most on was Paxel. Is it? Was that her name? I'm sorry.
0: Uh, yeah, Paxanel.
1: Paxenow. Her face at time, ta- like, at her face, like sometimes around the neck or the like, the back of the ears, like right around the ears, where it'd be hard to like slap a pancake makeup on there. hmm Was was very obviously different colored than the rest of the face. And that's what led me to believe. Like, that's what led me to ask like, wow, is there blackface in this? You know, she is, she is Greece by birth. She was from Greece. So she is Mm -hmm. Mediterranean. So I think the pancake makeup did darken her skin to a point. And I don't know if that was the, the natural intent of it, or if it was just the way the makeup was. But, yeah, the makeup was horrid in this. And after seeing it on her, I noticed it on the other Spanish people as well. Mm. I didn't notice it as much on Gary Cooper or Ingrid Bergman.
0: Well, Gary Cooper is supposed to be American, and Ingrid Bergman is not Spanish. I can't remember where yeah. she's supposed to be from in the story. But it doesn't, like, like I think they're not British. supposed to be. She's supposed to be British. I, I don't think, she, think so. She's really she's French. Swedish in real life. Maybe she was, or she Swedish. was Swedish. I don't know. Yeah. Swedish.
1: That would have That would no. But still, there was issues with the makeup, regardless of what the intent was or not. And I'm so glad this movie didn't get nominated for makeup.
0: It sure didn't. Nope. Anyway, but I do get. Bo-
1: bo- I do get the line. It gave them a strange clay look. Like it. At times, yes. it did kind of look like that.
0: Almost like they're coming out of the mountain itself. Yep. So weird. Second to last movie, Watch on the Rhine, directed by Herman Schulman and, Hall and Hal Moore. Herman Schulman and Hal Moore. That was tough to say. Written by Dasheel Hemet and based on the play by Lillian Hellman. Uh, Ooh, starring... She also
1: invented mayonnaise.
0: <laughs> Did she? Hellman's no. mayonnaise? Hellman's mayonnaise is spelled differently. I know, I'm sorry. You're starring,
1: you can never complain about me not laughing at your jokes again.
0: Yep. Sorry, I sorry, I have to read this thing. I'm not listening to you. Um <laughs> starring Betty Petty Davis, Paul Lucas, Geraldine Fitzgerald, and Lucille Wals- Watson, nominated for Best Picture, supporting actress for Watson, and best writing for screenplay, uh, and it won Best Actor for Paul Lucas. Stories about a German-born engineer, his American wife, and their children who travel from Mexico to the United States to visit her family, but their plans are complicated by a Romanian count. It is not Dracula. I know.
1: (laughs) I've already seen this movie, and you're like, Romanian count. I'm like, what? Dracula?
0: (laughs) I know. You just watched it today. (laughs) Whoa. Did I I watch the wrong one? Okay. Oh, man. Um. We had talked about this movie off air. The first 45 minutes don't need to happen, but the last 45 minutes of the movie are great.
1: Uh yeah, like once yeah. the
0: Romanian count is like, I think something is suspicious about this <laughs> German, then like then it's all then it becomes really interesting because uh, because Paul Lucas's character and his wife are part of this like anti fascist underground movement in Germany. Yep, they're basically spies, and the <laughs> Romanian count is like, I support the Nazis maybe, so I should try to blackmail him. And I'm like, if you read the description, like on this is on HBO Max, I think, and if you Read the description; it gives away the whole movie because, because they don't want like, you to watch it. Well, spo- like, we'll spoiler, it, but it's like, but when, but when, like, but when Lucas kills the Romanian count, I'm like, ooh, there's going to be murder. And it's like an hour into the movie, I'm like, when is this dude going to get it? There's only a half an hour left in the movie.
1: When Lucas kills the Romanian count, you mean in the last ten minutes, like the resolution? Last ten
0: minutes. Yep.
1: <laughs> you mean the resolution of this story? Yeah. We're trying to help you not watch this.
0: Yes, I think I would love to see this movie again, but like, but like, or like, redone. But take that first forty-five, take that last forty-five minutes, and make that the beginning of the movie.
1: Just make this a one-act play, really,
0: or make it a one-act don't, play. Whatever. I don't need
1: to know any characters or motivation. Just give me that last, like, I am blackmailing you. I am going to kill you. I am going to run away. Those were good parts. Liked it. Rest of the movie, trash. Forgot it instantly.
0: Um, I wouldn't say it's trash because I thought Lucille Watson was. Yeah, she was great. She was good because she was like going down. I'm gonna go down to breakfast. Be like, in my house, breakfast is always at nine. But ma'am, it's eight thirty. We'll move the clocks up to nine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I aspire. I aspire to be that lady.
1: <laughs> Tomorrow is Tony's birthday. We're gonna give everyone's presents because I didn't like not getting presents on other people's birthdays.
0: That's right. And I want more presents. Great. yeah. <laughs> I, but I thought that her transformation from like this lady who doesn't care about any like it is her way. It's her house. It's her everything. You know, clean that silverware again. Blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, like you told ma'am, you told me to tell you when you started yelling. Is this yelling? Yes, ma'am. It is <laughs> like like there's, you know, there's some real good stuff in there. Yeah. And I like her. Turn like when she finds out that her daughter and her son-in-law are anti-fascist, like underground fighters. Yeah, that like she really like like enters the real world almost Mm -hmm. in that moment. Even though she's she's older, yeah, she has that moment. I really liked that, and I thought Paul Lucas really sold his patriotism what i liked about this movie is like all these are like we're america and we are at war and it's okay because we you know we're america and stuff i really liked that i really liked that this movie was there are germans who also are not nazis like that's something that gets lost among the annals of history that national socialism was a quite a small party and it like doesn't actually represent the majority of the German people especially in the 30s and the 40s. So I very much I very much liked that side. I very much like that side of the story that even in the 40s here's this movie that's like no no I don't support Hitler. Right. Yeah, so for that I liked and I thought Lucas really I thought Lucas really sold that in this movie. Yeah. Like I thought it was I thought like his emotional turns within the last 45 minutes for an hour of the movie between his son and his wife and, mm-hmm. like, all this stuff was was very good. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, yeah. I just really I'll like say, the last I'll, 40 minutes or so.
0: Yeah, I'd say at, at this, like, out of these 10 movies, it's definitely one of the stronger movies. But out of all movies, it's a movie.
1: Out of these 10 movies, it's definitely in the top nine.
0: Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, based on our conversation, if you enjoyed the last forty-five minutes, it already has an edge over like six of these movies. <laughs> so, we'll see how the last one goes. But um, give me some fun facts on Watch of the Rhine, because
1: a first-time film director, Herman schulman had to constantly remind. Had to constantly be reminded that he couldn't do repeated takes of each scene, as there was a war on and celluloid had to be rationed.
0: <laughs> Betty Davis- Someone, 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 tell that to uh, <laughs> someone, tell that to uh, Ernest Loopstitch.
1: Yep. Betty Davis was the original choice for the female lead, but as she was still involved with making *Now Voyager*, other actresses were approached. Irene Dunn expressed some interest but felt the role was too small, whilst Margaret Sullivan turned the part down flat. Edna Best, Rosemary DeCamp, and Helen Hayes were also considered.
0: Well, there you go. Um, now Voyager is a great movie. I've seen it before. I, it, I, I, I think we have to watch it for 42, oh, okay. if I'm not mistaken. No, for, no not 42, because we're in 44 now, right? So it would be 43 because it was made in 1942. Oh, no. Yeah, it was made in 1942. Now Voyager is not a nominated film. I thought it was. You should just watch it on your own. It's really good.
1: Betty Davis was repeatedly clashed with director Herman Schumlin throughout production. A novice film director, he had no real experience on a film set and certainly none in dealing with a prima donna actress like Davis producer Halby Wales was forced to lean hard on Shumlin when he saw how over-the-top Davis was in her performance.
0: Hmm. Well, there you go. I don't think she was over-the-top.
1: Yeah, she was all right.
0: Yeah. Whatever. Was that two or three? That was three. That was three. Okay. Last on the list, Casablanca, directed by Michael Curtis, written by Julius J. Epstein, Philip J. G. Epstein, Howard Koch, Casey Robinson, uh, and based on the play by Murray Burnett and Joan Allison, starring Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, Paul Henreid, Claude Rains, Conrad Veidt, Peter Lorre, and Dooley Wilson. Nominated for Best Actor for Bogart, Supporting Actor for Reigns, Cinematography for Black and White Film, Editing, and Music. This movie won Best Picture, Director, and Screenplay. Um, the story revolves around a cynical American played by Bogart, uh, who, an expatriate struggling to decide whether or not th- to help his former lover, Bergman, and her uh, fugitive husband escape French Morocco. Um, I've seen Casablanca before. I loved it when I had seen it before and all the times since then. It is a truly a five out of five film for me. Um, it's wonderful. What about you? It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. No,
1: um, it's actually, it's, it is really good. I don't think I would, I wouldn't go five out of five. I think it deserves to be the classic that it is. It's got memorable lines. It's got a really memorable song. Um, Bogot and Bergman are really good in it. Is also Claude Rains. Peter Lorre's in it for like five seconds, and
0: he's great. And he's great. He's very very Peter Lorre. I want to talk to you, Rick. Yeah, yeah, Rick.
1: (laughs) He's very Peter Lorre. The story is good.
0: It's a little confusing at first. I think the story it doesn't do a great job at setting up some of the pieces. So, like, like Claude Rains' character, you're like, are, like, are what, what are you about exactly? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but I guess that's also part of the film in that, like, it wants you to guess whose side he's on and yeah. if he's really a and, Nazi supporter and, or not. Yeah. And blah, and blah, how blah, the, blah.
1: and how this world is working and there's definitely some parts. It was funny. It's not in my fun facts. Um, but I guessed, I guessed uh, during the '80s, the script for this film was circulated to studios again under the original title, which is like Rick's Cafe or something. Mm-hmm. And every studio passed on it, saying it was boring, it was too it was too <laughs> it was too wordy, it was not going to make a good film. And it goes to show you that that the script might not be up to snuff but performances music there are other things that can make that can bring the movie up a level regardless of script and i'm not saying the script is bad or the story is bad but what i'm saying is it can be very pedestrian in bad hands
0: you know i i i very much agree with you this movie was actually not it was supposed to technically be an Oscar Oscar contender. You know how studios, like, make films to be like, we hope this movie wins right. an Oscar kind of movie. Um, Casablanca was a made-on-the-cheap, made-on-the-quick, like, let's get a quick B-movie out there. Let's get this actress from Sweden, you know, Ingrid Bergman. She We saw her in a Swedish film that one time. Let's get her over to the States, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, let's just make this movie and it ended up becoming this huge thing, which goes to show you you really can't tell what like will hit with the crowd yeah. a lot of the times and what won't. But to your point, I think that whereas some elements of the story are fairly B, like it's kind of a pulp adventure. Like you know, like you yeah. know, he's you know, it's not it
1: this is like this is like if the entire movie took place at um the women's bar from Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: Kinda, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, yeah. I can I can understand where you're going with that.
1: Um, and even then, like when the movie was before they started filming, um, Bergman and Bogart and the director all met for like lunch, and the entire topic of conversation was how to get out of doing this movie.
0: That's great. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. And they pretty much probably just said, well, we're going to make the best of a bad situation and go. Um, I like that a lot. I know that Ingrid Bergman pretty much like changed Hollywood because of this movie. This was her first American film. And when she came over to the States, they were like, okay, so we're going to do your hair. We're going to do your eyebrows. We're going to do this. We're going to cap your teeth. And she was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do any of that. And they were like, "What? what do you mean? And they're like, this is, she's like, this is what I look like. These are my eyebrows. This is my hair. These are my teeth. If you don't want me, I'll just go back to Sweden. Right. Because that's where, because I can still make movies there. I like it there. It's nice. Oh, Um, here is yodeling. Yeah. And so, and they were, and she like really fought for it to be like, no, this is what I look like. I'm going to look like myself on screen in your movies as I thought you wanted me, not my face. And they were like, okay. Okay. Let's do it. So then like when they went to go like put her in a makeup chair, like on her first day, the makeup guy was like, "Uh, ooh, I don't know what to do because this isn't what we normally do. And the studio head was like basically standing behind her going, don't touch your face. Don't do anything. Don't do this. We want her. Like, and that was that. So she wore like a tiny bit of eyeliner and some lipstick and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But that was was a first for Hollywood to do that. You know, to, to have a natural look on screen, which is why you actually look at Ingrid Bergman and be like, you could watch her in a movie during any age because she looks like herself. Mm-hmm. She doesn't look like she has penciled eyebrows or, you know, something very of the era, apart from her wavy hair. Right. Um, so I like, I like that very much. Um, I think this movie is... Because of its timelessness, is quotable to a great extent. I mean, you say shocked, shocked to find gambling happening as institution. That's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty standard fare for you. Yeah. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Um, um, here's looking at you, kid. Yeah. You know all, all this stuff. J- which it, he says it in all the
1: towns and all the world.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's a there's a lot there's a lot going for this. Round movie. up the
1: usual suspects.
0: Yeah, there was a restaurant close to where I used to live called Rick's Cafe. No, there actually in the Actually, yeah, I think you and I went there once. The it one? Was right by, it was right by the Apertucci's next to the movie theater. Yeah, it's not there anymore. Yeah, I know it's not. I said used to be there. I thought you meant um,
1: used to be, you used to live over near there.
0: Oh, no, it closed down a couple years yeah. ago because nobody understood that it was supposed to be a Casablanca restaurant. <laughs> so, <laughs> I got in there um, a
1: couple of times, and even inside I didn't understand it was supposed to be a Casablanca restaurant.
0: Yeah, me either. But I I knew the name because of the thing. Yeah, but they didn't do a great job at you know, you know. Dooley Wilson wasn't there. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, if he's not singing, as time goes by, how am I supposed to know what this restaurant is about?
1: There was no gambling. It was weird.
0: It was weird. Um But anyway, yeah, I think that it's a pulp. This movie, yep. it, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a a grade pulp. But I think in some ways that's why it lasts because it's fun in yeah. its own in its own way. Uh-huh. Um I don't think it's as fun as say the more the merrier, but no. it's enjoyable. It's you know, Bogart does his, his best Indiana Jones who's given up on life. You know, mm-hmm. and and it works.
1: We call that Palmer.
0: Yes. Yeah, we do. We pull in a Palmer. Yeah. Um do you have any f- <laughs> Do you want to say anything else about Casablanca? It's, been pretty, it's a film that's been pretty well-tread for so long that I don't really want to step too far onto the heels of it.
1: Yeah. All right, here we go. Some years ago, in a shop dealing with historical documents, a photo still from the film was found, showing Rick sitting at a chessboard. Accompanying the photo was a letter from Humphrey Bogart to a friend in New York, indicating a specific chess move. The document dealer explained that the chess game in the movie was a real game Bogart was playing by mail with his friend during the course of filming.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. And so nerdy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because the film was made during World War II, the production was not allowed to film at an airport after dark for security reasons. Instead, it used a soundstage with a small cardboard cutout airplane and forced perspective to give the illusion that the plane was full-sized. They used little people to portray the crew preparing the plane for takeoff. Years later, the same technique was used in Alien in the scene where the crew discovers the dead space jockey with director Ridley Scott's son and some of his friends in the scaled-down spacesuits.
0: Huh. That is really cool. And Hi, you Tolkien's can't, Tale. And you can't tell. Yes, that's my cat. Uh, and, yeah, that's you can't really tell. That's very cool. Um, And also that's what I mean about this movie being made on the cheap yeah. Like You don't do that in a movie That you want to win an Oscar
1: Yep. In the famous scene Where the Marseille Is sung over the German song Watch on the Rhine Many of the extra, extras had real tears In their eyes A large number of them were actual refugees From Nazi persecution in Germany And elsewhere in Europe And were overcome by emotions The scene brought
0: out Wow yeah that's a that's a great fun fact yep. I really liked that and we watched we talked about watch on the Rhine right before we heard watch on the Rhine yeah what yeah wow wow um cool um Palmer that was all the movies whoop, whoop. Indeed. So before we do the 1944 rewindies, you can find us on Twitter at Academy Rewind and Timothy PG13. You can email us, but not at Academy Rewind at gmail.com, dot com to find all of the Thoughtbubble Audio shows, and Patreon.com slash Thoughtbubble Audio to support all Thoughtbubble Audio programs. Yay, commercials. Palmer, 1944 rewindies?
1: Sure, why not?
0: Okay, let's do it. Um, of course, as we always do, um, we can only choose we can only choose movies within the movies that were nominated this year. Um, and we smush some categories together and omit some completely. So here we go. Supporting actor. Bum,
1: bum, 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 uh, Charles ba-dum. Colburn.
0: For which movie?
1: I'm going to go with More Than Maria.
0: <gasps> Me too. That's what I did. Yay. Friendship. Woo. A Supporting actress. I'm going to give to Lucille Watson for Watch on the Rhine.
1: Yeah, no. I'm gonna give it to uh I'm gonna give it to Igmar Bergman for Casablanca. I know she's the say... I know she's the the lead actress, but I think but she definitely we... takes a back seat to Bogart and pretty much every other character in the story.
0: Sure. Okay. I'll uh, I'll give you that. That's fine. Uh production design I'm gonna give to Casablanca.
1: Uh yes, I will give it to Casablanca.
0: Costume design, I'm going to give to Madame Curie.
1: I am going to give it to uh, Song of Bernadette.
0: Cool. Makeup and hairstyling, I'm going to give to Casablanca.
1: I am going to give it to For Whom the Belt. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm uh, Actually, I'm going to give it to Song of Bernadette.
0: Cool. Music, I'm going to give to Casablanca. Casablanca. Uh, Visual effects I'm giving to In Which We Serve.
1: Uh, I am going to give it to... Yeah, In Which We Serve.
0: Yeah, it was either that or The Bridge Blowing Up and For Whom the Bell Tolls. Like Those are really the choices. Yeah. Yeah. Not Um, a good year. No. Cinematography I'm going to give to Casablanca.
1: Cinematography I will give to... uh, Um... Song of Bernadette.
0: Okay. Uh, s- editing to Casablanca. Casablanca. Sound to In Which We Serve.
1: For Whom you know, the Bell Tolls.
0: It, sure. Why not? Uh, actor I'm going to give to Paul Lucas for Watch on the Rhine.
1: Ew. Really?
0: Yeah. He was really good. I really liked it.
1: Yeah. That's fine. Uh, actor I'm going to give to Humphrey.
0: Okay. Um, Actress, I'm going to give to Jennifer Jones for Song of Bernadette.
1: Jennifer Jones.
0: Uh, best writing, I'm going to give to... Um, wow, I totally lost my place. I'm going to give it to Casablanca. Whatever.
1: I'm going to give it to the more area.
0: Oh, yeah. You know what? I agree with that. I'm going to change mine. Because it was delightful.
1: It really was. It was very well written.
0: Yeah. 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 I rarely change, but the more the merrier you're right and best picture I'm going to give to Casablanca
1: we didn't do best supporting actor
0: yeah we did it was the first one Charles Coburn the more the merrier
1: oh crap I gave that one to Charles Coburn yeah I see
0: (laughs) I see (laughs) did you just blank out
1: wow yeah wow I was I was thinking uh, Claude Rains but yeah no Charles Colburn works. Why 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 did I think there were two best supporting actor categories?
0: Uh I don't know. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Uh, it's been a long week. Uh so where are we?
0: Um we're done. <laughs> we're best picture, I oh, guess, best picture? you didn't <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Well, at this point I'm just going to give it to Casablanca.
0: Okay, cool. I wasn't sure if you were going to go with Song of Bernadette at that point, so it really was a toss-up. Yeah,
1: <laughs> to hell with it. <laughs> for, for whom the bell tolls. No. Oh, um, ew, no. No. Don't uh, do it. I will say, um, I did really like Song of Bernadette, and maybe without Casablanca, uh, I would I would pick it. Casablanca, I'm giving it to. It's a it's a really good movie. It holds up. This is one of the few times where it's the incumbent best picture winner. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at it as like watching this movie back then to watching this movie now. I don't think you lose anything. So I'm like I'm fine with it getting getting the empirical edge over Song of Bernadette.
0: Yeah, I that's a I couldn't agree with you more. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, next up on Academy Rewind, nineteen thirty-four to finish off the season, we have the following films: Cavalcade, Lady for a Day, Little Women, State Fair, She Done Him Wrong, Smiling Through, Forty Second Street, A Farewell to Arms. You lie to am... me. No, I said sure. You already knew that was happening anyway, <laughs> so because you made a good joke about goodbye arms, but that was off. That was off mic. Um, I am a fugitive from a chain gang. You are? The pri- yep. And uh, I'm really. Does your old. wife know? No. No. What do you think I would tell that to her? What? Mary, um, come to
1: the podcast, Mike.
0: I'm wearing headphones. She can't hear <laughs> you. Um. Anyway, and The Private Life of Henry the Eighth, starring Charles Lawton. Fun fact.
1: Ooh, I love Charles Lawton.
0: I know you do. <laughs> not to be confused with Charles Coburn, who is also delightful.
1: I'm not going to lie. It's been. thought the... it was the same person. <laughs> yeah. I did double check.
0: Yep. I did too. Don't I, worry. I was like,
1: no, that's a different guy. It's a different guy. But now diff- I do.
0: That's a, that's a different pear shaped witty guy. Now I yeah.
1: really want to see, uh, I want to go back in time and fund a Charles Coburn mutiny on the bounty.
0: I would watch that movie. Yeah. i I just want Charles Col- Coburn and Charles Lawton to have a conversation. Yeah, really, I'm sure they were in a movie together. I mean, they're contemporaries. Yep. Uh, but anyway, that is that is it for us, which is great because they are playing us off.
1: No, I have some more people to thank.
0: Well, too bad. Bye. Bye.